All right, Roland, round two. We had stupid technical problems, so... We, we uh, lost a half hour. Cute story, blah, blah, voice actor, blah, blah, right lines, not enough lines, too many lines, not enough lines. Oh, whipped right through it. And Hire a professional. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And episode sting now. I'm Matt Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Round two. Um... So, today we were going to talk about, today we already talked about, and we're talking about again. Again. Working for free. Yes. Yeah. There was a great article on Audible Worlds about said working for free and what that means and can mean and should mean. Yeah. And we wanted to expand on that. So, go. So, I have a story. Uh, I had a kind of terrible time. Within the past month, because I've I had spent uh, over a year, kind of pretty heavily involved in a project that I was doing for free. Um, it started out as a passion project, and it kind of really blew up out of proportion. Investors got involved, and uh, it became a pretty big production, and was no longer the small indie uh, project that it started out as. Yeah, and what this blows up into is that you start a project working for free for like passion or for a portfolio piece mm-hmm. and usually what working for free entails is that you're not going to get a contract done because why would you get a contract for something where no money is being exchanged yeah well things got so inflated um where there were disagreements with myself and the investors because now there was money involved. Um, the director liked me. The investors didn't like me. Where I tried to ne- negotiate a contract with them and they refused to sign it. So I had to walk away from the project after sinking a year's work of worth or worth of work into it. So always have a contract. It always comes back to always have a contract. Yeah. Um, there is no free. Yeah. Really. So. And it was interesting. The article kind of talks about. Um, I think one of the things it covered well was. If there's no money, go ahead and work for free. Like if everyone's working for free, sure, you like you're not taking anything away from anyone by working for free on a completely free project. Yeah. But if there's money involved anywhere, you deserve a cut of that. Yeah. You know, I think it comes down to like you should proportionally get a chunk of that. Audio you can argue how much audio is worth, fifty percent, ten percent, twenty five percent, whatever it's, you know, should get percentage-wise of the budget, mm-hmm. figure that out, and you should get that. Yeah. Um, and if it's, you know what, the whole thing, the whole budget is 100 bucks. well, okay, you should get like 10 bucks. Yeah. of it. Um, but if it's $100,000, then, well, you should get, you know, whatever that works out there. Um, you should get proportionally the money available should yeah. come to you. Because um, if people aren't willing to give you that, it already tells you how much they value sound. Yeah, And if you're not allowed to allocate the resources you want to uh, your work, are you going to be proud of that project? Yeah, Is it something you want on your portfolio if you're not going to be able to spend the time you would like to spend on it? Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, other issues you can run into with a free project is that if uh, the producers, like the, you have not set guidelines for how many revisions you're going to do. Right. Um, it's it's as if the producers are running around with completely bottomless pockets. It's like they haven't they 
technically have an infinite audio budget because they're paying you nothing. Yeah. And that means you can work forever. Yeah. You will never stop until you can't stop until they're happy unless yeah. you're willing to put your foot down. But then like, you don't have any grounds to do that. It's not and projects can go well. Mm-hmm. It's it's a when not if situation. Yeah. So get a contract. Yeah. The other thing we're talking about is the what are different kinds of like payments. Yeah. Not working for free doesn't mean not working for cash. Yeah. Right. Like that's everyone would prefer to probably just get paid. Yeah. But if you can't, there's you can barter other services something um you've had some good experiences yeah so there are very creative ways that you can get good work done um and so this goes for producers and contractors and this applies to all contracting this isn't just a sound thing um but my website was made by a a game developer who i did sounds for they made me a website and i have this sort of uh sizzle reel for my company that a commercial company put together. I did some sounds for a commercial for them, and they, in exchange, made me this sweet, like, sort of intro to my reels. Right. And so there are all kinds of creative ways where a low-budget production can get good sound out of you, and you can benefit yeah. um, well as well. I usually set it up with, like, hours to hours. Right. Or else, uh, like, this would be my budget for this project, so basically, X, I'm giving you $1,000 worth of work. You and I expect the same from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we also talked about uh, exchange for sounds. Yeah. Another thing. Uh, if the production dev team, whatever, wants to front the costs associated with recording certain sounds that need to be done for their game, you know, whether it's hiring somebody to perform those sounds, hiring animals, armorists, uh, renting extra gear, whatever it be, they front that and then you get the library. Yeah. At the end, like you use it in their project and then it's – you're also – It's yeah. a pretty awesome thing about being in sound is that sound is currency Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to like do people favors and there is also equipment and uh, – Yeah. Uh, back when I worked in uh, recording music, uh, I did a couple of jobs where they w- were paid in gear. Yeah. They're like, you record the album. We will buy you this piece of gear that you've requested at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing – I think why that is appealing to people is I want a thing valued at X. Mm-hmm. If you can find it for sale at that time or get a deal or something, maybe you pay less than X. I don't care. I've gotten the thing that you know has a certain value to me. Yeah. Um, so it allows them some leeway of like, okay, I have to come up with this thing, but where I get it from is up to me, and I maybe I can. Yeah. You know, get it for less, hence paying. And if you. It might skirt on sounding unprepared, but you can also say things like, I would like to have this for your project. So right. if I have this piece of gear, that will benefit your project, and you can pay me with that piece of gear. Right. So that's a way it can be sold. I, I need this expensive plug-in yeah. to do this job well that I don't own. You buy it for me, and you know I get to keep it. You get awesome-sounding stuff. Um, that could be great for for people. I mean, I've I've always bought all my plugins on sale, basically. Um, but there are definitely times where I'm in like, oh, if I could do this job better if I had X. Yeah, you know, totally. it would have been great to have this, but I've done workarounds to get around it. And mm-hmm. yeah, that would be if you can identify something you need for the project from the get go. Yeah, you know, that can be a good yeah good thing as well. And 
always be strategic about these so-called free projects as yeah. well. Um, how much faith do you have in the people that are doing it? Right. Like, like, is there any chance at all that your reputation can benefit from working for these people? So if it is a completely no budget thing. Yeah. Um, do they have a track record of finishing projects? Yeah. Is this project going to be a finished thing that you, everyone can show? Yeah. Um, maybe these people do free, no budget projects and they've got 10, you know, short films in the bag that they've not spent any money on. Yeah. Be great to work with them and kind of have, you think they're going to be able to pull off another one then. A lot of, it seemed like the first couple, at least, at least the first year of getting into the industry for me was just finding completionists. Yeah. Because they're few and far between. There are tons of people with great ideas. There are tons of great, talented individuals. Yeah. There are just not many completionists <laughs> in the world. Yeah. You look at like the mod scene, which um, a lot of people get recommended to when you're breaking in. Go go, mm-hmm. go find a mod to do sounds for so that you can get your sounds kind of into a game. Yeah. Uh, the mod scene is notorious for not finishing things. Yeah. So you have to be really choosy about yeah. what what you commit to. And if you commit to something that if it doesn't go through, it doesn't finish, that in some way you can recoup your work. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to make all these sounds for this mod for free, but the mod only gets them when it's finished, so to speak. If it never finishes, like if it tanks and everyone goes, you know what, we're never going to complete this, you get to keep all your work and use it somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, you better. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so that all came, um, kind of got started by a, a post on audibleworlds.com, and I'll post the link yep. on the website about it. Um, the other thing, we had a much better segue last time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> lost. Let's just throw the hawk in again. So the next thing we want to talk about was sound communities. Um, there didn't used to be any, it felt like, for me. Yeah. And now there is, and now there's all these great online resources. So that if you're like an independent with nobody to bounce ideas off of. Now there's, you can turn to the internet and there's all this stuff like us, like podcasts. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're one of them. Uh, there was a great roundup on designing sound yet again. I'll post the link, um, mm-hmm. of a whole bunch of game audio related podcasts. Um, they included us in that list, which was awesome. Um, there's the Game Audio Podcast and Tone Benders and the Game Audio Hour and Audio Nowcast. Um, not on the list was Home Recording Show, uh, which also is a really great podcast, audio related. It's more um, music recording, mm-hmm. but a, so much of that stuff, recording sounds is recording sounds. Like it's yeah. all translatable. And they yeah. have like, yeah, so they're really good. It's run by uh, one of the guys involved in that is John, from, who's from here, yep. um, who comes to. Our Vancouver sound design meetups, which is based off meetup.com, uh, which is a super handy website for getting people together. Um, and so we get anywhere from like five to 20 people. Like 25 or something? Yeah, we had, one a, time? we had a really big one once. Yeah. So basically, we've solidified that every third Thursday is uh, the Vancouver sound design meetup. Yeah. And, so uh, that's that's another thing that if. If you don't know any sound people in your community, start a meetup group and start spreading the word through places like Twitter. Um, yep. There's the game audio hashtag, which mm-hmm. is a great spot. Just search, you know, hashtag game audio on Twitter, and there's like a ton of people that are always talking about great stuff and giving, yep. you know, help and information and stuff. So spread you could spread the word that way about your new 
meetup for sound designers yeah. in your area. Twitter's such a good way to get in touch with people. Yeah. Um, that you might either be otherwise be like too afraid to talk to or something. You can really get in touch with knowledgeable people. Yeah. I've met a lot of great people on Twitter that then I met in person at GDC. Yeah. Um, was able to like cement the in like I actually physically know this person now, not just online. Right. Which sound community, the people, everybody who goes to GDC, like that's a great way to meet people in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you carry on those relationships through Twitter and you know different forums and stuff that yep. are out there um, throughout the year. And you know, I was just talking to um, Jack, uh, who I originally met on Twitter and then met at GDC. And it was kind of like, oh, Jack's one of the guys, sound designers I get to see once a year. Yeah. And it turns out he's going to be at PAX this year. So I'm like, oh, awesome. I get to see oh, Jack sweet. twice. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, there isn't a group, start one. You yep. can use meetup.com. I know there's a, a group for Seattle sound designers mm-hmm. that uses Yahoo groups um, to form theirs. So that's another option. I think they're free. Meetup, you have to pay to form a group. Yes. but Yahoo <laughs> might yeah. be free. So if that's like if that's a barrier, yeah. then go use Yahoo. Like they use it successfully to form. They're the same kind of thing. They meet once a month, you know, and they pick a place. And yep. Uh, so that's there's a bunch of other sound related Yahoo groups. If you search for sound design on there, mm-hmm. there's a bunch there. Uh, there's a bunch of Facebook groups. Yeah, that that's great. where I spend most. Of, that's where I do most of my chit chat. Right. It's on the van, or it's just on the the general sound design. Yeah, there's the sound design one. There's a uh, um, game audio denizens, 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 then that. Yeah. Um, that's for people who've met at GDC. It, it was originally formed to coordinate gatherings at GDC, I yeah. believe, and it's grown from there. Uh, Social sound design is that still around? It got Social changed. Social sound a bit. design. That's it good. got yeah. It's a little different, but it's still it's a great place to ask questions yep. and a lot of people that are Reddit really knowledgeable. As well. There's a lot of good good subreddits, subreddits on. Um, I know I'm constantly on the game audio mm-hmm. Reddit, mm-hmm. Um, trying to answer questions. Yep, there. Uh, lots of people just posting. I wrote this song, which I get a bit tired of. Yeah, but, that's boring. But I'm always happy to answer questions or critique. Yeah, uh, work that people put up. I know uh, somebody who um, I think was on Twitter contacted me about like, oh, you've got this great thing. They were in Montreal, mm-hmm. and I used the game audio hashtag to yeah. push out, hey, this person is looking to meet more audio people. And then somebody else pointed him to somebody in Montreal. Like, the com- the commu- the game audio hashtag community, like, stepped up and started introducing him to people. Cool. That's awesome. Which, so I'm hoping that they have a group starting now. So I think if you just reach out, there's a lot of... People that are waiting for something like this. Yeah. yeah. Like, we tried, I was involved with some other guys who tried to get a, a meetup together here in Vancouver. And we had a couple, and there was a... It was, you know, three or four or five people at a time. It never just, it never took off. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, your forming of it, like, was the right time. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you are going to form it, something in your city, just keep at it. Yeah. You know, eventually there is, there is people wherever yeah. you are. Yeah. And you have to, it has to be persistent too. You got to do it every month. You can't be spotty about it. Um, and then things will just grow organically yeah. over time, um, which is what happened with Full Indie, which is a fantastic yeah. thing in Vancouver specifically. Um, Although I think I've, there's a European Full Indie now too or something, or a British one. Yeah, um, Jake moved back to England yeah. and 
took the idea back with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to full indie quite near the beginning. I missed, I, I wasn't like the first person. Yeah. Um, but basically two game devs in town were chatting and went, Hey, we should get together and chat in person. So they formed a meetup group and it grew rapidly. And now, you know, they meet once a month and have like 250 people come out and they do talks every time and, and they constantly get people coming out. Yeah. So it's, it's not like a lot of Facebook groups. It's like, you know, 20 people say they're going to come out and 10 actually come out. Yeah. You got like a 50% attrition rate. Yeah. Full indie is like, no, more people always come out than like say they're going to, I think. Yeah. Um, and two, they've started uh, out of the full indie meetups. They had the full indie summit, mm-hmm. which was last year was a one day event of just dev talks all day. Yeah. This year it's a two day event. Uh, and I'm talking at it mm-hmm. this time. I'm going to be talking about the sounds of Don't Starve and kind of like what I'd use to make the sounds and some kind of cool stuff I thought I did and what it was like to work in early access. Yeah. So from this meetup group has formed this mini indie dev GDC here in Vancouver kind of. Yeah, which is great. So you Seattle know. people should try to get to that. It's 25 bucks, I think. Yeah. Two days of cheap. talks. It's like, pretty cheap. It's pretty awesome. Uh, August 8th and 9th. I think. I think. That weekend closest to those numbers. Yeah. Okay, so I've been playing, um, or I played Brothers. Yeah. Tale of Two Sons. It was amazing. Uh, one of the best games I've ever played, I think. Yeah. It's like, great narrative. Sounded fantastic. Uh, really good wood sounds, specifically, like, wood cracking. That's the one that sticks out mm-hmm. for me. Is the wood sound. Like, everything sounded good. The creatures were good. Everything was great. But there's just this one mechanic where you have to kind of crawl across this branch right and it's like over break. a raging river and it has to break yeah right <laughs> and but they give you the sound before they really give you any visual stimulus yeah and the sound is so good that it really drives home that tension that this this branch is cool. about to snap off i spend a lot of time making like chopping sounds in don't starve yeah like wood stuff is is tough to get right Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you take a lot of experimenting. It's such a tonal uh, mass, yeah. you know? And it totally changes, like you were saying before, of what kind of wood is it? Is it a branch? Is it a, a log? Is it a full tree? Is it a piece of lumber? You know, all of it changes. Cool. I think that's where we can edit back into round one. Red tail hawk. Uh, I have, for the last couple of weeks, been... Firmly entrenched in AAA land. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing a bunch of Titanfall and a bunch of the Destiny beta. Oh, okay. So, Titanfall sounds great. Yep. I have no complaints yeah. with that. Um, the Destiny beta, it's it's interesting because it's a beta. So, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of asterisks, caveats. I just downloaded like, that. Yeah. You know, like, on, which I understand having developed several games now in early access. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I know that they really got nailed for uh, the Peter Dinklage dialogue in the alpha because it went in unprocessed oh no and um i think there's a serious problem with either his acting or the directing of his acting something happened and there was a problem there um in the beta it's now processed Okay. And they've pulled out a bunch of the most comical lines okay. that everyone was really like. So there was a problem with either his acting or the directing and the lines as they were written. Mm-hmm. So they pulled out the really bad lines. That's good. Um, but it still sounds really flat. And I know he's supposed to be a computer voice. 
Okay. But it doesn't sound computer voice flat. It sounds bad acting flat. Oh, that's a bummer. Which is a, a big thing of lots of people who are really great film TV actors mm-hmm. aren't necessarily great voice actors. There is a different thing that comes with it. Same as like stage. Um, the thing I've yeah, always heard. are different styles of yeah. acting. You're in, a, you're in a different environment. I've heard that the, um, the kind of difference is that when you're a theater actor, you're taught to, to project, to act with your body. Yeah. Right. And that when you're a film actor, you're taught to act with your eyes. And when you're a voice actor, well, you have to act with your voice. Yeah. So there's a, a sometimes film actors will be when you're in the booth watching them, it sounds great. And then when you listen back to it, you're like, there's something missing. And it's like, what's missing is their face. Yeah. Right. 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 So I still think there is problems. What are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on using super iconic voices in games? I find it takes me out. Right. If Morgan Freeman is playing a character in a 3d game that it's a totally different face. Yeah. And it's like, that's not Morgan Freeman's face. Right. But that's definitely his voice. It's too iconic. Yeah. Um, I feel it depends on the casting. Mm hmm. Like, if Morgan Freeman is in a game with a very Morgan Freeman-like character, I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll buy it. Even Mm -hmm. if he looks a little different, I'm like, I'll buy it. If it's Morgan Freeman as, like, something that you – a role that you would never expect him in, and then it looks different as well, I'm going to get pulled out. Right. But if it's somebody you see in fantasy movies all the time, and then it's a fantasy video game, I'm like, okay. Like, that's their their deal. Like, I'm I'm good with that, but – if it's somebody who does rom-coms all the time and then is in, like, sci-fi bullet hell game, I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> you know? So I think I think it works when they hit the expectations you've got of them. I think it's harder to stretch when they're an iconic voice in a game that doesn't fit what you think of them in. Yeah. Wait. Whereas if they were in a movie, they could take a different role and you're like, oh, I buy this sci-fi guy in this rom-com. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes, you know, I mean, it's it not no, it doesn't always work. But I think there's a better chance of that working than you taking them out of what they're known for and putting them in a game that's not their deal. Right. Yeah. You got to be really careful with those iconic voices. Yeah. I guess at least in the indie world, we're not usually on those sorts of budgets that we can hire. Nope. Those sorts of people. <laughs> so it's less of an issue. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying at the head, always hire a pro because they're going to deliver. Yeah, way yeah. more I've, than you ever expect. <laughs> I have. Well, I've had a couple of pros in my little studio. The first, I had Scott McNeil in the day that I uh, that I corrupted my drives. So I was <laughs> scrambling around, yeah, being like, "Where the hell did my sound libraries go?" Yeah, and Scott McNeil's going to be here in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get my tiny studio ready for it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always fun. When we had our latest actor and she was able to drop by and, and do an audition while we were picking, she was just like, I'm downtown, I can totally like, I was like, great, that's that's better than doing a phone thing or you recording whatever. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, it was really great for that and it was mm-hmm. awesome that she could do that. But then I was having weird computer problems on the recording computer. I was like, like she's going to be here in 20 minutes and uh, – I was just like, I literally was like, nope, not dealing with it. Grabbed a computer from somewhere else that had software on it I needed. I was like, yep, okay, using this one. I know this works. Yeah. Just rearrange cables, make it work. Right. Good, done. Right. 
deal with the problems later. Yeah. I have no talk back, Mike. I'm just going <laughs> to yell at you, okay? Really? We're pro uh, while yeah. I yell at you through this wall. <laughs> in, my, in my closet. So, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've been playing lately. And as much as the giant other stuff too. The giant Destiny kerfuffle happened with the Alpha, I unfortunately, it's a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. And you know, it's they've got all the great sci-fi stuff. It's it's a bungee game, so like yeah. you're you know, they've set the bar high and they're hitting it, but the voiceover stuff is And it's interesting, there's another voice, um I can't remember the actor's name, who's doing another section of the game, the multiplayer section of the game. And I like his voice, and he's not he's not like huge unreal tournament, quick tournament style mm-hmm. voiceover for, you know, deathmatch, but He's more, way more subdued than that, and I like it. But my girlfriend's heard, it and she's like, "Oh, I don't like his voice there. Like, hmm. why'd, why'd they put him there?" <laughs> so it's interesting that the choices they're making, yeah, voice wise, yeah. So I know I'm gonna eat it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be all over Destiny. Well, Mass Effect is over. Yeah, so well, need something for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The people like I don't think Destiny's setting the world on fire. No. Um. There's a lot of stuff within it that I've already seen that is like, oh, this is a bungee game. Like, yeah. Of course there's that. Like, right. Um, they're doing a lot of threes. Like there's three classes. There's three like okay. the, three aliens. There's just threes show up a lot. And threes showed up a lot in the Halo series mm-hmm. as well. And you're just like, of course, it's, it's the continuation of what Bungie is doing. Bungie didn't just go off on a tangent and produce something – radically different. This is the evolution of what Bungie does. Right, and right, so right. like if you hated Halo games, you're probably not going to enjoy Destiny. Right. But if you enjoyed Halo games, then it's like that, but better. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> and prettier and sounds better. <laughs> Other than the voice acting. Sweet. <laughs> uh what else have I played? I've been hopping into like the shorter games. Yeah. Uh there's a neat little game called The Plan, which is free. Plan. On it's it's a game quotes game okay so a lot of people be like I don't think this is a game uh, it's more of an art an art thing it takes like five minutes yeah it's free on Steam it's really cool great score yeah um, sound is pretty good it's ambience based cool. it's basically a metaphor of life as played out by a housefly interesting super interesting yeah uh, okay something else we were gonna talk about which I kind of want to just talk about a little bit. And maybe we'll talk about it more next time with some feedback from everybody of what everybody else thinks. I think it would be interesting to involve everybody yeah. in this. Um, so the topic I kind of was, was thinking about was DIY. Yeah. Like the last sound design meetup we had, um, we were talking about somebody wanting to do uh, acoustic treatment for their room. Mm-hmm. And you and I were both like, we'll just build it. Yeah. You've built all the treatments for your room. Yep. Um, I had a hand in building a bunch of the treatments for my room at clay. I designed them and then did a, like part of the work and stuff. And we're both fairly handy people. Yeah. So the concept of like, Hey, build this thing. We're just like, sure, let's do it. Let's yeah. build it. Um, and somebody else was a bit more like, well, I'm not really a handy person. Like I, I don't really kind of pay somebody to do that. Yeah. We're like, yes, you, you could, but which just got me thinking about like, you should learn how to build stuff, whether it be physical carpentry, like to save you money in building sound treatment stuff, learning how to solder and build your own gear that way. Yeah. Or you look at what they used to do with 
the original Disney sounds. They built all these crazy contraptions to give yeah, them so fully cool. so sounds. Cool. So you can build stuff to make you sound. Um, so I want to ask sort of everyone, what do you think you could build, should build? What's interesting projects to take on mm-hmm. in that regard? Because I think being comfortable in doing a DIY stuff can really aid as a freelance sound designer because it allows you to bring more stuff to the table yeah. that you can't you can't buy or it's too expensive to buy. Like you can kind of like make stuff. Yeah, and it's not as intimidating as it has to be. Specifically talking about uh, treatment panels. I yeah, mean, I made my frames entirely by hand, hand saw. The I used I used a power drill. Yeah, everyone should just have a power drill. You should have a power drill. And they make drills make great sounds. Drills make great sounds. So just yeah, yeah. multi-purpose. I've yes. already recorded mine, of course. Um, I've recorded mine. I've recorded my dad's impact drill as well, yeah. which gives you different sounds. So yeah, drills are great for that. Yeah, you got to have a drill. So like I just it was a, a handsaw and a drill and some stain. Yeah, tool wise, that's basically all I needed. Yeah, um, a square is handy, mm-hmm. uh, but. It's not much. I wasn't yeah. doing fancy joints. I know how to do fancy joints, but right. I didn't. Yeah, your yeah. tool investment is really cheap. Yeah. So it's it's yeah you can. I didn't even have a car for my my first uh, <laughs> yeah. the first room I built. I didn't have a car. I borrowed a friend's car to pick up the insulation. Yeah. Um, but everything else I just hand bond. Right. I just walked home from Home Depot with a bunch of wood on my shoulder. <laughs> so so yeah, everyone. What what have you built? What do you think is easy for people to build? What should people yeah. build? I mean, I've started with my modular um, building racks, buying yeah. kits. Which intimidates the crap out of me. Me as well. And the first one I built totally didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And I needed somebody to go over it and like fix it up for me. Uh, I could look at it and go, this isn't going to work. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that joint isn't soldered together. Um, and now I'm at a, a fork in the road of like, do I keep doing this or do I – I need to invest in a better soldering iron. Right. Right. So do Probably I invest in, in, in a good soldering. one and continue to do this or do I not buy kits and just buy well, stuff? I think we both know the answer to that. Yeah, I'm probably going to buy more buy, things. Buying a good soldering iron. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two. I built two electric guitars in high school. Yeah. The second one never got finished just because I couldn't solder. Really? I built a, I built a neck. Yeah. From nothing. I and the guy that was mentoring me made me cut it out of a chunk of maple with a handsaw. It took like a week just to cut out <laughs> the rough shape and made the fretboard. Yeah. Slotted all the frets in. Nice. It's like two hours of wiring. Right. No, couldn't ten years later, still not done. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. See wires wires I can do. Yeah. The circuit boards is the new thing for me that I'm like a bit intimidated right. by. Should, but like I should you go know, get that guitar from my parents and just leave it here. For I'll, a couple days. I'll, yeah, I'll end up doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody, chime in. What do you think of, of building stuff? Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our, our last topic before questions, because questions are always great. Yeah. Uh, Designing Sound, the great website. Uh, we both follow it. Uh, I wrote one thing once for it. Yep. Um, their theme this month is listening. Right. And they were like, it's, it's open-ended, very. What do you think of that? Um, what do you think of the topic listening? Yeah, like the first thing that comes to mind for me is yep. active listening to, right. the, to the world around you, which is something that I had to focus on. Because you, you meet a lot of sound designers, um, you hear a lot of interviews with sound designers, and they say, like, oh, I've always just been obsessed with 
how things sound in the world. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Like <laughs> I had to, it's not something that just occurs to me. Yeah. I, I like, I love doing it and I recognize it when it's in film, but just the world around me, I have to act actively participate and consciously yeah. listen to things. Which I think to me brings up the point of if you're looking to actively listen and evaluate a game, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be playing it. Yeah. Play it and capture the footage or get somebody else to play it for you so that you can sit and listen to it. And concentrate. I've done that lots of times where I've been like, oh, I'm going to evaluate this game and like pick it apart. And, and then I'm like 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just playing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I lose and myself the in the experience. Happens in film too. Like watch a movie and people be like, "How's the sound?" And you're just like, "I totally forgot to pay attention yeah. to the sound." I was just I was enjoying in the, the story. Yeah. yeah, it almost feels like work. Yeah, you have to go back once you already know the story and you're concentrating on other elements yeah. of gameplay or mechanics. Yeah, um, and you're able to concentrate on the sound. It's a it's a different experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I think I think we don't do enough listening. I don't um, think so either. When uh, when I was at EA, I was beginning of a project. I would always take some time to be like, okay, what game am I doing? Who else has done this sort of game? Mm -hmm. What genre am I in? I'm going to go play a, what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And see what the competition was up to yeah. so that I knew where I had to hit. What I like, what I don't like. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. anybody else got a great idea that I can, I can borrow? Uh, is anybody else doing stuff that I'm like, I really should avoid? Just so that I knew, too, that when I'm done, I can look back and go, yeah, okay, I'm as good as everybody else, or I'm better than everybody else, or, oh, wait a minute, everybody else's game is sounding way better than mine. I need to right. like look at some stuff. Like I'm not, I'm going to get murdered. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you really should listen to your competition and your game and the whole genre that you're in at the time and see where you need to hit. And when I was mixing some games... Uh, when I was freelance, when it was time to mix the game, we would sit with the audio director and one of us would play the game and one of us would listen. Yeah. And then we'd swap back and forth. Oh, cool. So okay. that there was always like, we were both listening, but there was always somebody who was only listening. And then we'd like play for a while and then go, okay, what do you, what do you think of this section? And we'd kind of compare notes, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and be like, oh, I totally missed that because I was playing. Yeah, yeah, so, that's great. Uh, one thing I do is I got an application on my phone that is a running spectrogram. The topic made me think of like active listening in the world mm -hmm. more so than in in games. So I'm thinking yeah. about pre-application before I make the sounds. Right. Um, so that's something that I try to concentrate on frequently that I didn't that I don't do naturally. Yeah. It's like, what's the mix like in this bus? <laughs> uh, this, this bus that yeah. I'm riding on, what is the mix like? What are the sounds that are jumping out at me? Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a really like. And I'll have and I have a spectrogram on my phone okay. that I'm like, okay, so these are the dominant frequencies yeah. in this environment. That's a great idea. Try to make a mental note of that. But you don't always want to replicate reality as well. No, but it gives but, you a good starting point of yeah. like of okay, well, how is this different? How is X different than Y? Yeah. As far as environment, how is my living room different than a bus? Yeah. And you can start to dial in those differences, even if it's not real, real, it's yeah. not reality. You can use that as a jumping off point of like, okay, to sell, I'm in a bus and not in my living room anymore. I need to at least yeah. Well, how get do, this. How do I feel right now in this environment? Yeah. Outside of what's happening in my life. Yeah. Like, are are the sounds in this environment having an emotional impact on me in some yeah. way? Which is kind of weird. 
yeah. meta think, way to think yeah, about Yeah, I think things. once you start actively listening in your environment, too, you're going to find areas where the sounds in an area are jarring or grating or put you on edge, and other areas are calming. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, the emo- like the emotional content of the area, divorced from your personal life's yeah. environmental emotional content. Yeah. Like, yeah, because there is like... And if you have your recorder with you, then, yeah. you, then you got it. Totally. Like there's, I can, I think of like big industrial areas where there's lots of machines and there's lots of like harsh abrasive sounds that like yeah. you're sort of going to be put on edge yeah. by that environment. Like yes. Just the sounds in it. Yeah. And then so using a spectrogram in your brain, you can, well, the spectrogram can actually tell you what frequency yeah. range you're looking at that those grating sounds are in. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good, great, great idea. Yeah. So that's what I do as far as active listening. Cool. All right. Questions. Great. Uh, I went on Reddit this time. Um, got some Twitter questions as well. Cool. Uh, but we'll start with I decided to post on Reddit and go, hey, questions. So first question. This is from Tice Billa. You know who that is? Pretty sure it's Riley. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, he asked, what initially led you to want to do sound design and how did that evolve into wanting to do sound design for games? Okay. We'll start with you. Um, I initially didn't want to do sound design for games. Yep. I went to Vancouver. I initially didn't want to do sound design. Yep. I wanted to. I wanted to compose. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got a scholarship to Vancouver Film School for sound design. Um, applying for that scholarship was the first sound design I ever did. Yeah, I had a blast doing it. And then won the scholarship, got to go to school, and just like I got really into sound design. Yeah, for film, um, or so I thought. <laughs> but then we had then we had a class with John Fish, who you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, "Wow, game audio is so interesting." Yeah. The whole the I just I really really got hooked on the implementation process. Yeah. And uh, then after graduation, trying to work in both sound and film, or sorry, uh, games and film, mm-hmm. uh, I just have been gravitating towards the gaming community more and more. Yeah. Um, the projects have been more fun, I yeah. guess. They've been more fun, more profitable. Uh, the people have been very direct to work with. So cool. That's what. That's my story. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't necessarily want to do sound design when I started out. I went to school uh, for recording engineering, record music. I mm-hmm. wanted to. I was a musician, but knew I didn't want to be a professional musician. Still wanted to be involved and realized I could be on the other side of the glass mm-hmm. and record everything, which tied into a lot of like I liked computers and technology and like was like, oh, it mixes all of that up. That's cool. Yeah. Um, while I was doing that, I found that being a recording engineer, it was right as all the big studios were imploding and things were rapidly changing in the industry. Um, so making a career off a whole bunch of people who have no money, i.e. musicians, mm-hmm. is incredibly hard. Yep. Um, so I took a job as a video game tester just to get some money and found somebody I had gone to recording school with was doing sounds for video games. And I thought that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I could get into that. He got me in the door and once I started doing it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. It, it it really grabbed me once I was doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then during that, I started doing sound design for other stuff, and I did a little bit of TV and a little bit of film stuff and still a little bit of music. But, yeah, it was just the, – the thing I love about doing sound design for games is it's a super artistic endeavor and it's a super technical endeavor. Yeah. 
and it gets like both sides of your brain working and it's like that's what I love about it is like yeah. I get to be really creative in making this sound and then I get to be super technical how I'm going to implement that vision yeah, and uh, getting to implement something and then going and playing it in the game is still just like magic for me. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't believe I just did that. It's just, <laughs> it's like, it's writing itself. Yeah. The story's writing itself. It's so cool. So yeah, that's where that's where we're coming from there. And uh, Buntu Wind Sound asked, he kind of, it's sort of a two-party thing. Sure. He originally asked, what's your Wilhelm scream? Meaning, what is the one sound effect or design choice you think that has been done to death and needs a break? And then he amended that by saying, all right, I just want to change it up. What interactive sound design choices do you think need to take a break? For example, I'm sick of low-pass filters kicking in across the whole mix when your health gets low. The same feeling goes for hearing a heartbeat sound effect when the player is close to death. Do you have anything in particular that bugs you like those do for me? Thanks and love the show. Don Wilmot. Cool. Um, Yeah, I'll let you go first. Sounds, our lovely hawk scream. Yes. Kind of sick of that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's why, why it's at the beginning it. of the yeah. podcast. Um, and <laughs> there's this game, Aztez, which is a really cool combat game. But yeah. the hawk sound is a main sound effect in the game. It drives me crazy. And it's the red tail hawk. It's the red tail hawk yeah. scream. It's like every time you get a power up or something, red tail hawk. So that drives me nuts. As far as interactive stuff, um, I don't really think it's bad necessarily. But I'm kind of getting tired of the tinnitus thing when bombs yeah. go off. Which is, but it's still, it's still cool though. But it, it, it is becoming a sort of yeah. I'm trope. I'm really tired of a lot of those combat tropes. Mm-hmm. The the tinnitus when a bomb goes off. The as he said, the the low filter when your your health gets low, and the heartbeat increasing. You know when you're close to death. Like I'm kind of also sick of all of those things. But, but they're I effective. Under, but I understand they're effective in that immediately players know what's going on. Like they're, they're a mm-hmm. trope for a reason sort of Yeah. like they're So if you're going to change those, you need to teach the player a whole new thing. Of yeah. Like, which is, this is now task. the thing that happens when a bomb goes off or your health is low. And is it worth teaching that player that new thing versus, well, I've got a whole bunch of other new things in my game Yeah. that are more important to teach the player because they're brand new. Yeah. Like this new thing happens when, Something happens. I don't know what that is. Right. Um, so I get torn between I want to make a whole new thing for, for low health and, well, everyone already understands what that means. So if I do that, I don't have to teach a player a new thing. Mm-hmm. They understand that when that happens, oh, I'm, I have low health. Right. Um, so it's, it's 50-50, like, which way do I go? So I try to – when I do those things, I sort of try to keep doing what's – expected keep the, the trope, trope but give it some spice yeah like, well, I, it, I notice when i hear a new tinnitus right when i hear when it's got a little flair to it or something i'm like oh that's that's a bit cooler so we're with you on that like i had a long time with one game where i was like i want to change this thing and the producer was like well what are you going to do then i'm like i don't know yet yeah i want to change it but i don't know yet so it, it can be tough Mm-hmm. And I think uh, an area where some of those stuff can be really interesting is in the mobile platforms. Right. If you try and do a heartbeat, which is, I can't remember what frequency, I think it's 160 yeah, hertz low. is where like the real heartbeat sound yeah. sits. Um, if you're trying to do that on a mobile platform, the speakers don't produce that frequency. Yeah. So you have to come up with something new because even if everyone's like, yeah, I want the heartbeat, you got to be like, you, you can't. You yeah. come through on headphones, 
But if you're just playing it on speakers, it's it's just not and if we there. And if we make it higher, it's going to sound cartoonish, which you probably yeah. don't want. It's right. a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So there, are, I th- hopefully that challenge will result in more innovative, interesting things happening there that we can use yeah. on any sort of game. Yeah, yeah. All right. DJ Dane asked, other than attending schools that teach sound design, what other options could you recommend for getting access to middleware tools, example, FMOD, to practice and learn how to use them? Getting the tools is very easy. Yeah. Um, if you don't have much money for a DAW, you can grab Reaper for yep. unlimited free trial or buy it for 60 bucks. Yep. Hugely powerful tool. The routing is difficult, I find, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that it's difficult will probably teach you routing better yep. um, once you've figured it out. And uh, FMOD's free to use. You can download FMOD right now and play mm-hmm. with it. Right. What do you think about you can download Wise and FMOD, the designer sections. Yeah. Um, be it studio, be it Wise, be it designer, whatever it is, like the design tool. Yeah. Anyone can download those and play with them, mm-hmm. but you don't have anything to hook it up to. No, that's that's okay for when you um, if you're when you're just learning how to do things. Yeah, yeah. I found uh, when I was originally teaching myself FMOD a couple of years ago um, that it was a real challenge to motivate myself to figure out how stuff works because I couldn't generate it and put it in a game. I never really knew if it worked. Yeah, on and it break things break all the time. You know, so, so I, I didn't really ever know if I was learning something. And to give myself a, like, I'm going to make this new sound, I'm like, well, the motivation was weird because I could, I never had any end result. I'm, I'm quite sure there are test games now. Yeah, I was gonna, just going to say. Right on. Now there is, like, there's the Adventure Project, and there's, like, projects that um, exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wise um, was giving away the Limbo project for a while that yep. hooked into the Limbo game if you own Limbo. Yeah. So you could actually change the sounds and then run the game and they're there. Yeah. I believe FMOD has a game as well that will tie into. Yeah. Um, now there exist games that you can take apart the existing projects. You know, like four years ago, those didn't exist. And it's awesome that they're now providing those. They've learned mm-hmm. that that's what people are looking for and they've they've provided them. So those do exist now, which is great. Or I mean, if if uh, if the only thing between you and getting a job is knowing FMOD, you know FMOD. Just start the job. <laughs> start the job. You will have to know FMOD. You don't. You're not going to have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so trial by fire. Throw yourself into that. And there's great documentation now too. There didn't the studio, documentation didn't studio use is kind of meh. Studio documentation. Sure. Yeah. Wise documentation though. It's good. The adventure project is awesome. Yeah. Like, I've had to teach myself wise for, for one of the games we're working on. Yeah. And the adventure project has been invaluable yeah. in that regard. Um, I've been able to look through the adventure project, which is a, a populated project of, like, here's all the generic kind of, like, here's here's Beats. footsteps, here's an ambience, here's... And I've been able to take everyone and go, okay, this is a footstep, but I would also... That's the same way I would do X, Y, and Z, and... I know how to build a project now. This is Beard's Cats. 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 Indie game audio. <laughs> <laughs> Definite cats. <laughs> um, so I think now it's even better than it ever has been for learning those tools. Yeah. Um, they just keep, all of them keep providing more and more ways to learn the tool, which yeah. is great. It's getting, it's getting really good. Yeah. Um, one last question we got from Twitter. 
Uh, Will asked, field reporting versus library. (laughs) We'll just cut that out. No, we won't. (laughs) So, field recording versus libraries, time versus money. What's the expectation in speed when creating sounds? Does who has the bigger library win? Bigger is not better. Yep. Better is better. Right. Um, I don't have the hugest library right now, but... I constantly building your library, building my library has been the most valuable thing I've done. Right. And having a having built my recording space yeah. has expedited my sound design yeah. a lot. Um I also don't think biggest library wins. Yeah. Um I think you look at there's been a bunch of contests that have been like here's a video, here's 10 sounds. Mm-hmm. You're only allowed to use these 10 sounds. Everybody go. Yeah. And the results from those contests have been widely different. Yeah. Um, showing that even with the exact same stuff, people's creativity comes through. And I think that's the biggest thing. That is. Your was... creativity needs to come through in whatever we make. And there's certain things that you kind of do need. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, if you're doing a modern combat shooter game and you don't have any gun recordings, you're probably going to be at a deficit against somebody who has either bought a bunch of libraries or recorded a bunch of guns themselves. Like you need a certain amount to like, you know, bare minimum. But if you've got that bare minimum and you're a really creative person, you can really go far. Yeah. One of the things that uh, is kind of like sort of the intangibles of recording is that when you record something yourself, you you remember you have it. Yeah. And, And you kind of baby it a little. And you're going to treat that sound better then you yeah. might treat a library sound, which is kind of funny. Um, but it's also that is what will be your personal style. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the expectation of speed. Oh, we have a question on how fast part, to go? Part, part of that was what's the expectation in speed when creating a sound? Changes project to project. Yeah. It, it's, you know, there's people that are really like, I want a one-day turnaround. Sound to sound. And there's going to be people that are like, I have a two-month turnaround. Yeah. You know, so it. I don't feel. What about like you as a sound designer when you are going, going out to create a sound? How like how long are you allocating that for yourself? Are you mastering? It really, um, it yeah, it really depends. Yeah, it's real. Like, is it a one shot? Is it a HUD sound? Is it an ambience? Mm-hmm. You know, am I gonna go record stuff? Yeah. Um, and then I just set expectation of that. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna do an ambience. It's gonna take me all day. Yeah, and if you want, and to I'm record, gonna spend a day recording stuff. I'm gonna spend a day getting source, and then I'm gonna spend a day building it. You yeah. Know. If you want two minutes of ambience, you better record ten minutes. Uh, but like HUD sounds, I've turned around in under an hour. Yeah. Sometimes when somebody's like, "Hey, I just really need this one thing," and I'm like, "Sure, on it," and I like, boom, bolt of lightning inspiration. I'm like, "Yeah, I know exactly what I want to do," and I do it, and it's like, yeah. Super quick. Other times, same thing happens. Hey, I just really need this sound. It's, you know, this HUD thing for this. And I'm like, uh, I have no idea. And I just have to start fiddling with things. And, yeah. you know, it takes me a couple hours to come up with one yeah. HUD sound because I'm trying to find where where it's at. So for stuff like that, for like HUD sounds, um, one of the things I always do at the beginning is I try to establish a uniformity to like all of the HUD sounds live in this sort of realm exactly. that are related. That has a lot so, to do with the materials you choose. So I record a bunch of source off the bat. Yeah. Um, a lot of HUD stuff for me is generally these days been synthy kind of 
stuff. Right. So I'll record a bunch of like I'll play with all my synths and just record a whole bunch of junk. Yeah. And then I've got these tracks that whenever I'm making new HUD sounds, I pull from there. So they're all sort of related. Yeah. As a source point. No, I liked doing that for Rogue Legacy as well. Yeah. All my HUD sounds were like weapon sounds. Cool. Small chain mail type things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so there's kind of like yeah, there's I don't know, you have to set the expectation of what the speed is, I yeah. think more than is presented to you. Well, and you want to spend as little time fixing things as possible. Yeah. So what I've heard from who was it? I think it was Robbie Elias who works at Microsoft. He was mm-hmm. like, "Why would you master your recordings? Yeah. Just record it properly right. so you don't have to master it." So have a quiet environment. Yeah. Get good at recording multiple variations without having to mess around a lot you know start quiet get loud start mm-hmm. simple get more complex right and then just have your sound file yeah. and then all you do is label it yeah i'm not there yet <laughs> i'm still i still do a lot of noise reduction yeah. and mastering and i i like things to be kind of like just the sounds i want. i i don't do any mastering on my own personal library mm-hmm. um mostly because i'm afraid of messing it up and that i'm not going to want that later on Right. So even if I haven't recorded it the best, I just leave it. Okay. And then when I pull it into a session to use it, I'm like, okay, now I just I got to fix this up. But I do it then. For better or worse, I don't yeah. do it at the time I recorded it because I'd rather have – maybe I want, for some reason, a super noisy version of yeah. that sound. So I'd rather have it. And instead of having, like, the mastered version and the unmastered version, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. Mm-hmm. And I'll do what I need to do to it. When I'm using it. Yeah. Well, I guess like, I have a process now for if it's something I recorded in my studio. Yeah. And I know what I need to do every time. Yeah. So anyways, we're cool. out of time. We are. So that's, that's it good. for another month. I'm Gordon. I'm Matthew. Uh, we're both on Twitter. I am at a shell in the pit. I'm at Matt Ask. Yeah. I never plug myself or anything. No, you now. should. A shell in the pit dot com. Go for it. My, go look at my stuff. Tell Thanks me, for listening. Tell me what I'm bad at. 